Since the year 2000, only four NFL quarterbacks have led their teams to 6-0 and zero records while totaling 12 or more touchdowns with two or fewer giveaways. Peyton Manning in 2006, winning the Super Bowl. Brett Favre, 2009, winning the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, 2015, uh, making it to the AFC Championship game. And now Jalen Hurts in 2022. Where does that leave the Eagles? We'll discuss that on the punt return. Welcome back to the punt return uh, for week seven. Thanks for that unbelievable stat, Nick. Uh, and we'll kick things off straight away. Nick, great to have you back, mate. I know you're still feeling a little bit under the weather, but uh, obviously those Philly Eagles are making you feel a little bit better on the inside. Thank you, mate. Yes, yeah, they are. It's, uh, it's fun to be an Eagles fan at the moment. It's, it's kind of things are just clicking and, and working well. And like you uh, you touched on last week, the Phillies have been playing well or into the uh, – the NLCS, uh, baseball fans, it's the, the championship series in the MLB. Uh, the Sixers have kicked off their season, although they lost lost the season opener. But uh, the Flyers as well are humming at three and zip. So things are looking good in Philly. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, that is for sure, mate. But <laughs> you let, let's get straight into it, mate. The talking points. We'll kick off with your Philly Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly, six and zip. They are flying high as it is and, of course, took care of the Dallas Cowboys, which would have been even sweeter last week uh, on Sunday night football. And uh, they did it really behind that unbelievable defense, firstly, in that in that first half where they had three interceptions. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you hear a lot of people talking about the Dallas defense and, and I think you know, they are a really, really good defensive unit as well. Like, they're elite, the, the Dallas defense. But I think the the Eagles, D, showed up and they wanted to prove a point. They're like, let's stop talking about Dallas and, you know, show us some respect, put some respect on my name. And and they did that, especially early. Uh, you know, the first half of that that Eagles performance was was really, really solid. Uh, and, and it looked like they had a point to prove. And, and they went out and did, did what they had to do. It was a little bit different in the second half as, as the Cowboys worked their way back into the game. But... You know, clearly, you know, Cooper Rush was was overwhelmed by that Eagles defense um, and, and had no time. He was under pressure all the time. Um, and, you know, the Eagles did what they had to do. Yeah, they certainly did. Obviously, the Cowboys made that, that rally, I suppose, in the second half when they got that run game going and, and Philly kind of stalled on offense. But the, the good thing and the credit to Jalen Hurts in that Philly offense is that when they needed a big drive and a score, they got it. And, and, and of course, you know, they, they defended grimly as well at the end to, to hold on to the victory and, yeah, solidify themselves as, as Super Bowl contenders and, and certainly the team to beat in the NFC so far through six weeks. They've, they've just got talent on every line and, and it means that, you know, all the pressure is not on Jalen Hurts' shoulders. He doesn't have to carry the team every week. It means that you're not always relying on Miles Sanders for, for a big a big game on the ground. You're not always relying on AJ Brown because you've got Devonta Smith and vice versa. Uh, Dallas Scott it does you know does a job. And and on the on the defensive end, you know, that front is is so strong and, and so powerful. And then you've got, you know, the, the athleticism and, and dynamicism of the secondary. And it's just th- there's no real holes. Um yeah, I'm I'm sure they'll get they'll they'll get found out. They're not going to go through a season unbeaten. Um, and they're going to have some down weeks coming up. I mean, that's that's for sure. Um, but it is hard to see where they, you know, where they're going to get beaten consistently uh, because they are just a very, very even squad in, in all facets. And our boy Aaron Sipos, Aaron Sipos having a, having a, a fantastic season with with the uh, the boots. 
Yeah, absolutely. If only if he could kind of do have that output for your mob back in the day. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, look, he he's been fantastic, and and to be honest, yeah, he he's certainly one of the top you know few punters in the league right now, and, and it's great to see another Aussie making their mark in the NFL. Well, let's move on, mate. I think this is enough chat about the Philly. Uh, sports city, I suppose, as a whole, not just uh, the <laughs> Eagles, to start the show. But let's let's talk about one of the best games of the season so far, and, and potentially the best. And and of course, it was again the AFC powerhouses of the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. And we got another absolutely unreal matchup. The Bills this time again came away on top in the regular season as they did last year. But uh, would take a heap of confidence having um, you know defeated the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Oh, it's it's the marquee fixture on the on the schedule now, isn't it? That these two, and you look back to that playoff game last season, again a, an, an elite matchup this season. Uh, two really strong, really strong franchises, uh, you know, on both offense and and defense. You know, just going punch for punch, and uh, you know, just such a good game to watch. It was so much fun. Uh, early doors, the game of the season so far, and and it was just. Again, we we expected or wanted a shootout. We we kind of got a, a mini one in, in a sense. But I heard during the call, uh, Tony Romo picked it pretty early that it would be a similar. I think he might have even said a twenty four twenty kind of end result. And and of course, um, the great man got it right on the money. Of course, with with Josh Allen leading that late touchdown drive for the Bills to snatch victory, and then of course. Um, Patrick Mahomes picked off for the second time in the game to to seal the victory for the Bills and God Von Miller has been such a difference maker He's hasn't he for that, immense. for that Bills defense absolutely immense he he has he has made a massive difference uh, you know the, the the QB pressures and hits numbers um, maybe don't show the the whole story but. Yeah, he's had what six sacks through seven, six games, five sacks through six games. Um, yeah, he's up there, right up the top of the he, league. He's and, up and He's there. not even playing, you know, anywhere near. That's right, he's, 70, 80 percent snaps. He, he's only at like forty or fifty percent, which which is amazing mm. what he's able to do. But you know, it just goes to show, you know, that the, the quality doesn't fade, even as you get older and you, you play less and, and all that sort of stuff. Von Miller is is one of the best and has been for a decade, and he's showing it again. You know, on, on another good squad what he can do when he's allowed to show out and, and do what he does best. But just quickly, I wanted to, to uh, yeah, shout out Tony Roman because I think he's possibly the best commentator in the NFL at the moment. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. He, he's the best analysis, yeah, analysis of the game. He, his insights are just incredible. Him and Jim Nance work so well together. So if that, that CBS matchup there is, is always unbelievable to just to listen to because of the insights that... Uh, Tony does give, and then of course Jim Nance being one of the best play-by-play calls as well. But yeah, Romo called that you know first quarter I think it was where where the teams were kind of going up and down the field but not finishing drives, and you know um, he mentioned a number of reasons why the score would be what it was, and then of course he hit the number on the head as he as he usually does. He just sees the game so well, doesn't he? And I think that's what made him such a good quarterback as well. I mean, he was he was a very, mm. very good quarterback, but it wasn't because of his skill set or his his tools. It was his his IQ and the way that he saw the game and the the, the way that he was able to play, uh, you know, manage manage the offense. Um, he's just such a smart, a smart footballer and, and a smart football uh, analyst, like you said. Yeah, unbelievable football mind. Uh, always fascinating to listen to Tony Romo and Wow, strange things are happening in New York City. Um, I know there's no official two, you know, New York teams. They both play out in New Jersey, but it's New York, New York time here for the Baby Jets. Let's start with them, um, and by extension, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll touch on the Packers as well. But the Baby Jets are four and two. 
They've won three on the trot. They haven't lost away from home yet. Uh, going into Lambeau is a, is a special kind of feat to do. I know the Packers are a bit of a basket case right now, but the way they kind of dismantled the Packers and then the swagger of, you know, the young cro- crop of talent uh, mm. um, headed by Sauce Gardner, who was wearing the cheese head uh, unbelievably in, in Lambeau <laughs> uh, before he got it knocked off his head by Alan Lazard. And, yeah, I think there's, there's a little bit of confidence brewing there in New York. Baby Jets are, are doing some special things. It just goes to show... Yeah, how quickly things can turn when you draft well, and and how important the draft is, and, and getting those picks right. You know, they've they've had a number of years down, you know, with early picks, and um, you know they've they've tried some trades and and that sort of stuff. But um, you know, the last kind of two years, you know, twelve to, to twenty four months, they've they've just made good picks and starting to see the the benefits of that. You look at, at guys like Sauce Gardner, like Brees Hall, um, Zach Wilson. You know, who, who hasn't quite shown enough yet, but you know, he's got again, he's got the tools, he's got the skills to to be a quarterback in this league, and um, you know, they've got they're, they're putting together the bones of of something fun in New York, and and we haven't seen that in in the Jets franchise for for quite a while. But what I mean, how do you see the Jets at the moment? I see them as a serious playoff contender. I don't think they're at the level to to challenge the Bills for a division title at this stage, but. They're a serious playoff contender now in the AFC for a wildcard berth. And, and it's, again, built off that defense firstly, but they're just giving, um, you know, their offense is just giving so many different looks. I mean, Zach Wilson barely threw the ball last week. It was just their their run and the design that they kind of had dialed up. But it was that defense that just unsettled Aaron Rodgers and that Packers um, front all day. And, and of course, Quinton Williams now, who was highly touted when he came into the league, is finally starting to deliver on his talent and, is looking like one of the best defensive players um, in the AFC, if not the league at the moment. He's he's disrupting all the time. Um, there, there's just so many cool weapons on offense, as we as you've touched on. Brees Hall was your pick for offensive rookie of the year, and he he's starting to ball out. And the more snaps he gets, the more dynamic and, and better he looks, doesn't he? And then of course Garrett Wilson has been solid enough, but and then CJ Gardner as well, who was their their first pick in the in the first round last year, is, is starting to you know really own that cornerback spot and. And had a, if not mm. for a, a very lucky um, call with the ball hitting the ground early uh, in that in that game, he would have had a pick six to start that that game in Lambeau. So yeah, they're doing some some cool things. The Jets, I, I can't see why they wouldn't be favourites going into Denver this week. I know the market's starting to to change in in favour of New York. I think Denver is still quite uh, slight favourites, but that line has come in and. I'm very bullish on both New York teams to go in and win away from home again this week, um, and and they're both outsiders. So uh, we can touch on that a bit later. But a New York little New York double in week seven looks all right. Yeah, it's an interesting one. The two that you you kind of touched on there in, in Source Gardner and, and Brees Hall, and and I think by extension that you know uh, Quinn and Williams, like you said, um, just the the swagger of all three of them. You know, like we've kind of gotten used to to the Jets over the last few years being a real defensive, you know, built off defense, um, which they kind of, they still are, but, you know, real kind of boring, boring to watch, boring to, you know, there's just no interest around them. And now you look at, at guys like Source Gardner and, and that swagger, like you said, you look at Brees Hall, who reminds me a little bit of of Nick Chubb, just, you know, powerful runner, um, but he's able to, you know, if, if he, if he gets that catch, that you know that short yardage catch, and, and able to get in the space, then he's gone. Like you just won't catch him. Um, and 
uh, there's just some excitement around the Jets for the first time in in, in a long time, and yeah, I think the, the game's better when when there's you know, good football out of New York. Hundred percent, yeah. Five sacks for Quinn and Williams so far uh, through the first six weeks. Um, so yeah, absolutely flying high the Jets, and we move across to the Giants now. I know you won't want to hear this, but somehow, and I don't even know how to be honest, how they how they've snuck over, you know, snuck wins. Um, against these better teams, and, and, it, and the Ravens again blew it another uh, another big lead. But yeah, five and one, the Giants who were who were halfway home to well over halfway to, to knocking you off for your our season uh, bet there. But uh, we won't have to touch on that too much yet. But God, they they're just doing things well, and I mean, how they kind of stayed in that game was just ultra impressive. I mean. The thing was with the Jet, uh, the Giants, I should say, against the Ravens, is they just limited Lamar Jackson in that offense to big plays. They, they, you know, they obviously allowed first downs and and some points scored, and, and again they had to rally back from a, a double digit lead, a deficit, I should say. But just again, it was you know Saquon Barkley had probably his quietest game for a few weeks. He only kind of averaged around three or four yards per carry. Uh, the, the Giants' leading receiver was a tight end, Daniel Ballinger, the rookie who had 38 yards, for goodness sake. So the Giants, though, it, it just shows you how much of a difference good coaching makes. And, and they're winning the close games. And, you know, they, they never had to panic. And, and of course, they, they just come up again, come up trumps with, with Brian Dable at the helm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think you are, you'll be getting a, a very nice bottle of scotch uh, in, a, in a couple <laughs> of weeks by the looks. But, um yeah, look, you're right. It comes down to coaching, and we touched on it uh, last week or the week before. I think kind of mentioned they're not they're not doing anything special. You know, they're not relying on you know the, the mega arm or the legs of Daniel Jones. They're not relying you know, as good as Saquon Barkley is. Like you said, he didn't have a massive game last week, and they beat the Ravens. Um, yeah, there wasn't much in the passing game in terms of you know big plays, um, you know, lots of catches, etc. But they're just doing what they have to do, and and. A lot of short yardage, move the chains, just do what you got to do, play to your strengths. Um, and, you know, there, there's still plenty of improvement in them. And that's that's what's scary is that you look at their receiving core and they're getting nothing out of guys like Golladay and Tony and uh, a bunch of those a bunch of those guys who have been injured. Um, and, you know, Saquon Barkley can, can still get better as well. We know how much football he's missed. Um, that you, you imagine that he can still go to another level. And, yeah, it's... it's Again, it's exciting for New York. And the, the great thing is, is you know, Daniel Jones is being put in the right positions. He's not asked, not being asked to do too much. This is exactly kind of the offense that he needs to lead and, uh, you know, make plays with his legs when he needs to, make the throws when he needs to, but again, not asked to do too much or throw the ball downfield mm. a hell of a lot. And, you know, they've got a new explosive rookie on the scene in the receiver court from Wondell Robinson that we'll touch on when we talk about fantasy. We've just picked him up <laughs> off the waiver wire there and, um, you know, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau had his first interception um, on the weekend as well, and, and that defense is starting to come good, which was probably tipped to be one of the worst at the start of the year. But I had a little bit of belief in it, and that's probably what's turned them around, I suppose, in, in terms of their improvement. Mm. Obviously, the offense has been a lot more consistent with, with Saquon Barkley playing and playing well every week, but that defense is, has been the big improver, and, and they're you know, getting blown out. They're limiting teams and their big plays, as, we, as we've touched on, and uh, let's just move quickly over to the Ravens, the team that they did knock off, and they're now three and three. And all three losses, they've had a double-digit lead in the last quarter. So 
it's a real concern for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens who just can't close out games. Worrying signs, really worrying signs for the Ravens. And and the thing is that I think they've been the better team for majority of the game. I think they're the better teams than than all the teams that they've beaten. And it's just it's concerning because you can never trust them to put a game away, uh, even when they are, you know, very much so the better team as I think they are again this week. Um, it's just tough to trust them to to put a game away. And you know, if they get out to that ten or twelve or, or fourteen point lead, that you know, it, it's it's not over. Yeah. So don't know if that comes down to, to John Harbour and his, his play calling, or if it is a Lamar Jackson thing where he's maybe trying to do too much late in games where they, they could be probably playing a little bit more safe. But, yeah, it's not a great, uh, I suppose, uh, legacy for Lamar Jackson to leave if he's if, you know, if he's able to kind of look like the world beater that he is sometimes in games, but then just have these lapses where he made a couple of bad mistakes. I know that he was under a lot of pressure, but that interception was a really bad one late in that game. And then, of course, the, uh, the fumble as well. So... Yeah, they're, they're just doing some bad things there in the late in games, the Ravens. And, and as you said, it's just a, it makes them very hard to trust when they can't close out games. It's one of those things like you, you touched on before about you know, not, not asking Daniel Jones to do too much. And, and it's a great call. And, and I think there's elements of the opposite of that in in Baltimore in that Lamar, we, we know what he is, what he can do um, and how he does it. But maybe sometimes he takes too much of that on himself or he's given too much of that that pressure like you've got to be the man every single time when sometimes it could just be that little chunk play um you know that that the short throw the you know the, the two yard run and just just keep things moving rather than try and make that big play you know scamper out of the pocket you know, all that sort of stuff like we, we know he can do it but when you're forced to do it um especially late in games and you've got pressure on and that you know the opposition's coming at you. You're feeling the pressure. Sometimes you just need to do the little things, do the basic things and get them right rather than try and do the spectacular. And I think sometimes Lamar tries to do the spectacular. And like you said, I'm not sure if he's putting that on, on himself or if the coaching staff is, but um, yeah, something something has to change because I think the Ravens are a far better team than uh, than most in the NFL. Yeah, if it, if it's coaching or if he's putting himself in these positions, or you know, he he seems like he does want to take a lot of the weight, and of course, it's a it's a really important year with these, you know, fr- uh, the franchise tag and and all that contract stuff hanging over his head. So I'm sure he wants to put his best foot forward, but losing three games where you, they've led by double digits in the last quarter is certainly concerning for the Ravens, who uh, have a tie though for that uh, top spot in the AFC North at three and three now. A couple of other teams that are at three and three and, and hugely surprising is that the Dirty Birds. We've got the Atlanta Falcons and the Seattle Seahawks who have defied all kind of predictions, especially by us who both thought they would have a stinking year. Uh, I'm super worried. The Falcons are only one game away from <laughs> as many as they can win for me, uh, taking the four and a half. And, and Seattle are kind of already halfway there with three wins as well. So... Incredible that uh, these two teams with with really young young cores, especially the Falcons, are uh, looking really good. They are, but I, I still feel like they're only one you know one bad loss away from the wheels coming off, and and I still think that both of these teams end up at the end of the season, you know, in the in the bottom five, in the bottom six. Um, I, I don't think that this is sustainable for either of these franchises. Um, maybe. Maybe the Seahawks slightly more, just because I think their offense is 
is more experienced. Um, you know, Gino, as much as we know, he's limited. He's been around a long time. He understands the game. He knows he knows what to do. Um, whereas I, I just think that the the Falcons are. I don't. I don't know. I just. I have no trust in them to be able to keep this going, and I. I, I still believe that they've got one of the worst defensive units in the NFL, and that they are going to get found out. The wheels will fall off, and they will end up going on a run of you know six or, or seven losses straight. Um, and and all of a sudden they'll be back where we thought they might be at the start of the season. Mate, I really hope you're right, to be honest. And, and I'm sorry to all the Falcons fans out there, but and that that few. was my major concern coming into the season is that defensive unit just didn't look like they had any playmakers. Nothing, you know, that they'd get exposed and and similar to what has happened, I suppose, in Detroit, where they'd just allow huge scores and and they just their offense wouldn't be able to keep up with it. But against San Francisco, who was the number one ranked defense and and still is in the league, to be honest, um, I know they were missing a lot of players, but. Atlanta had three turnovers in that game, or forced three turnovers, and the Niners had none. And I don't know; they just keep making plays. The night, uh, the Falcons, and, and Marcus Mariota has his game managed beautifully. He's only thrown the ball again about a dozen times last week. He's doing it with his legs. He's got a couple of young running backs uh, at the moment with Cordero Patterson out. The couple of rookies that are are leading the way, and then they've got a, a good young receiving core as well. So. Um, Kyle Pitts finally got into the end zone for the first time in, in US soil, I heard. And, uh, you know, he's only had the touchdown in his career so far was was in London, but finally got that monkey off his back. But I don't know. I, I wish I could share the confidence that the Falcons' wheels would fall off. I think they're, they're a huge chance to even knock off the Bengals this week, um, which is which is very scary. But, yeah, I'm a bit very worried about the Falcons. And, and the Seahawks made me look a bit silly last week with the Cardinals. Um, absolutely just showing absolutely nothing on offense and, and the, the Seahawks defense, who has been led by this unbelievable rookie, which we, we need to give a shout-out to, Tariq Woolen, who's had four interceptions uh, in the last four games and, and you know, breaking kind of all kinds of records and can, um, you know, solidify himself as a star in the star in the making if he can, you know, continue on this form. Well, I, it, it, that's really what the Seahawks needed, wasn't it, was to, to step up mm. their, their defensive game. Um, offensively, they've been really solid and... and I kind of uh, not saw that coming, but I thought that they could show something against the, the Cardinals last week. But just to, I guess, I, I don't share your fears on, on the Falcons. I guess I'm not tied to that four or four and a half win mark. But the, you know, their three wins have come against uh, the Seahawks, and we know that they're not great. They're okay, and, and they're fun to watch, but they're not great. Uh, the Browns, who are the Browns, and the 49ers, the decimated San Francisco 49ers. And I just don't think that they've, you know, I don't think that they've proven that they've got sustainability in this in this season. You know, maybe for the future, like you said, there's there's some talent there in Atlanta, but I'm not sure there's sustainability for this season. And I think that the, the wheels could fall off very heavily and very quickly. Um, like you said, like that that Detroit defense. I can only hope hope for, for my sake. Um, I'm quite heavily tied into that four and a half. So, yeah, it's not looking ideal at the moment, but at least I'll have a bottle of whiskey from you to keep me keep me warm at <laughs> night. Um, let's move on to the next and uh, talking point, and that's the Denver Broncos, who somehow are the worst offense in the league in terms of points scored through the first six weeks. And surely it's not about when Russell gets cooking, but he is cooked, surely. <laughs> Well, I mean, what do you I, I, what do you do? What do you do with Russell? You're tied to him, 
at two hundred and fifty million dollars for five years, what do you what do you do with Russell Wilson? Like, I don't know. I mean, right. he he looks cooked at the moment, but I mean, you, I think at this stage you've got no option but to trust that he can put it together, and that it's you know, early season, new franchise was with the Seahawks for a decade, and mm. you know, all of a sudden in a new system, new coach, new offense, new state, you know, different altitude, you know, all that sort of stuff that, you know, he'll come good, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, tough. I don't know. He, the decline was starting to happen in Seattle, and I'm, I'm still shocked that Denver paid him so heavily and, and with too. that much guaranteed money. Yeah. The concern for me is, and you made a really good point a couple of weeks ago, that the first four weeks of this season for Denver was their preseason, right? They had no offensive players at all play in any of their preseason games. Mm-hmm. The concern for me is that the last fortnight where, you know, they've, you know, got over that first four-week hump, that's their preseason. That's the two worst games they've played all year. That that offense yeah. is just on another level bad. And thank God for that defense because if they if they were had the Detroit or someone like that's defense, they would be losing 70-0 every week. It's yeah. it's pathetic. That's that's right. But I th- and and from a scoring perspective, you're absolutely right. What what I did like to see out of Denver and and it was only like we're, we're talking glimpses, we're not talking you know, sustainability or anything, but you know the the glimpses of um, some some decent catches and some decent passes, and and you know you saw Jerry Judy come up with a big play. Um, you know, it's only one, but you know at least there's one. Cortland Sutton, you know, having a big catch and run, and like it's it's the little things that I think if you're a Broncos fan, you've got to be holding on that there's a glimmer of hope. Um, you know, because maybe, maybe that's the start of them starting to put it together. But yeah, I mean, like you said, how long, how long do you give it? When do you run out of patience? And if you do run out of patience, what's your other option? Yeah, I, I think you're right in terms of they have to keep persisting and, and I'm sure, it, I'm sure it'll get better, but I know he's had a little bit of injury concerns. Maybe he needs a couple of weeks off to freshen up and get right. I know he had a stupid quote today saying something about his Wolverine blood and that his hamstring's got to be okay. He's still Russell doing some strange things, old Russ. He needs to shut up. He needs to shut up and just He really does. And I think working. he's – and like you, you touched on a couple of weeks ago, he, he's alienating his teammates, I think. And it's, it's you know, it's easy to see – as an outsider or as a, as a viewer, just watching the the body language of the of the team on the on the offensive side, especially on the mm. sidelines, and and just how frustrated and and disappointed they are with how things are going, and and yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, I'll come back to it. He he doesn't look up to it as a head coach yet. I know he's only you know six games in; it's an early call, but he's just making some some really interesting and silly um, silly calls, and and in in and the flip side of that, Aaron Rodgers looks a little bit lost without his former offensive coordinator, doesn't he? But uh, yeah, it's, it's an such a strange one. one, though, isn't it? Because you, you look at that that Broncos offense, and you go, finally, there's an mm. upgrade, an upgrade at QB, which is really the issue for for Denver over the last few years. If they've got talent in the receiving core, they've had talent on the ground. Like the, their offensive skill players are really good players, um, and and you look at it purely on paper. And you go, Russell Wilson is a an upgrade on whoever the Broncos have had at quarterback since Peyton Manning. Um, surely this this team won't take long to gel or click or whatever. But like you said, they've gotten worse, and it's it's scary times. But I think you know, again, that they don't really have another option at the moment. 
nah, they, they're certainly tied to, to Russ and, and hopefully for their sake he does come good. But huge test again this week with the, the hot New York Jets coming to town. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I'm surprised that Denver still hold on to favoritism in that one. And just the last one, Deshaun Jackson, mate. Your old, probably one of your <laughs> old favorite players. is back in the NFL. help. boy. I was kind of hoping that he'd land in Philly. He talked about that, that Philly was an option. I was hoping that he might he might land back in Philly and maybe finish the career there, but not to be. I think you know the the, the Baltimore fit is a pretty good one. You know that they're you know, they're short some receiving options. They've they've done okay with the options they've got, but yeah, they are short one or two. I didn't think the the big play you know deep ball was was the one kind of position piece that they were missing, but. Um, you know, I, I thought that, that Green Bay maybe would have had a big play at, at Djax. Um thought the Rams might have brought him back. But uh, you know, I think he'll I think he'll he'll be good for Baltimore. Yeah, surprising that the Rams probably didn't make a move for him there, but I know they're very tied to Van Jefferson who should be returning after the bye, which will which will give Matthew Stafford that deep threat that he's been sorely missing. And maybe OBJ as well. A quick update on fantasy, mate, because we've got some good news. The Punt Return podcast is top of the league. Top of the league. All of a sudden. Four in a row and we're, we're on top. Four in a row. Everything's, everything's going nicely. Well, everything was going nicely until Marquise Brown did one of those undisclosed, potentially season-ending injuries, and now we don't know what to do. But he's on IR until he's not. And uh, like you said, we, we've, we've, gone to, we've gone to the waivers uh, to pick up Wandale Robinson, who looked okay. His, his two games has looked okay. Absolutely. And, and and he'll only get more trust from from Daniel Jones in that offense and the more snaps he plays. He, again, I love those wide receivers that have that explosive nature and can make those big plays. And, and you know, he, his catches will come. So, uh, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a free hit at the stumps, I suppose, with um, Hollywood Brown going on IR, as you mentioned. And... Uh, you know, we had a couple of poor outings from a couple of our players, i.e. Jeff Wilson. No, mm-hmm. not going to hold that against you, mate. You'll, you'll bounce back, hopefully. But the good thing was uh, that we're 4-2 and two and, like I said, top of the table now. Well, it's yeah, it's it's not – it's not dev- like, it sucks to lose Hollywood, but it's not devastating because, it, yeah, our receiving core is still fairly solid with um, Michael Pittman, Michael Gallup, Chris Godwin. We've got Rondell Moore. Uh, Darnell Mooney, who's starting to do a little bit more in Chicago. He's been disappointing. Uh, we've got Reynolds still in Detroit. I'm not sure how much burn he's going to get mm. uh, with some guys coming back over the next couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, excited to see more of, of Robinson in New York because it's, it's one of those guys, like, you, we've clearly seen that there's no trust in the Giants receiving core. All those bigger-name guys that, that we touched on earlier, Golladay and Tony and and whatever, Sterling Shepard injured, obviously, but, you know, those guys just aren't getting – they're not getting runs. Um, and for whatever reason, Brian Dayball doesn't trust them and and doesn't trust – or Dan, or doesn't trust Daniel Jones to utilise them. But, you know, Robinson played week one, was was pretty good, got it, got some snaps, got some targets. And again last week, the same thing, that, you know, if, if they're going to utilise him, then why not? Uh, we should continue that winning run hopefully this week with um... – a few big teams on bye weeks, especially for fantasy-wise, and I don't think we've got any of those uh, players from any of those teams, Buffalo, Minnesota, the Rams, or Philadelphia. I don't think we've got any of those um, players from any of those teams, which means we'll be unaffected by the bye week this week, mate. Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary on the bench is the only one. Yeah. 
who's been riding our bench most of the season anyway. Yep. So uh, he he's been solid as well, actually. There, hmm. but uh, nice little backup for us. But yeah, we'll, th- we'll be largely unaffected going into week seven. So let's just have a quick look back at last week's games before we head into week seven uh, for the second week of the row, uh, which is great news. We got our lock of the week home a lot closer than the week prior <laughs> with the Bengals kind of leaving it very late in the big easy, but it was Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase returning to Louisiana who who got it done late in that game and, and thankfully covered the line for us against the Saints. Yeah, I, I was really confident on the Bengals and, and like you said, it was it was I was a bit worried at half time and uh they were able to get it done. Like like you said, Jamar Chase just just got it done. Um and his his second half was, was pretty good. His last quarter was pretty good. Uh but you know, the, the one week that I'm not on Jamar Chase to score a touchdown and uh, go over his receiving line, he uh, does both. So it sucks to be me. We got a bit lucky because that that they just could not stop the run, the Bengals, and thankfully the Saints kind of shut the bed a little bit in the second half, only <clears throat> being held to two field goals. Now, speaking of shitting the bed, the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers, two weeks in a row, mm-hmm. uh, You've been on the Packers, and they they've really shut the bed. The Bucks again for us, both of us. Um, can't believe they lost, let alone didn't cover against. The yeah, Steelers. Two, two weeks in a row for both the Packers and the Bucks. They, they've both let us down two weeks in a row. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's just just. I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> San Fran lost last week as well to let us down, but the Vikings did get a cover. We both liked Minnesota in that one, and they got the job done. In the end, pretty convincingly, convincingly over Miami, we we pretty much went one and one in the head to heads. And and while it wasn't official head to heads, I really liked the Pats, which took care of the Browns, who you were a bit more keen on. And then, of course, your Seahawks uh, took care of the Cards that I really liked, and and that wasn't a play for me. So we went one and one there, but uh, it wasn't a bad week. And again, like I said, lock of the week, the main thing, getting home to get us back to three and three. Uh, before we get into week seven, as I mentioned, the Bills, the Vikings, the Rams, and the Eagles all on the bye this week. So some huge stars missing from fantasy. So make sure you do check your lineups before we get underway with Thursday night football kicking off tomorrow morning. The New Orleans Saints are at the Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals go in as favorites still at one and a half points, mate. It's a really intriguing matchup to start the weekend. I just, you know, like we said before, I have zero trust in the Cardinals. I have zero trust in the Saints right now as well. The Cardinals are the 29th ranked DVOA team overall right now. They're struggling on both offense and defense. And I think that alarm bells will be sounding now with uh, with Hollywood Brown out, their most effective and efficient attacking weapon outside of Kyler Murray, who you know, himself, he, he's been underwhelming, I think, um, out for so you know, Hollywood out for a, pr- a prolonged period of time. Uh, still not sure if that's six weeks, eight weeks, the season, whatever. Um, and New Orleans, who who we've been able to trust for so long, one of those really rare teams ranked in the top ten, sometimes even the top five in all three facets of the game: offense, defense, and special teams. Are average or below average in all of those categories right now? This is a really different Saints team to the one that we're accustomed to to seeing. Um, you know, obviously that the coaching changes and personnel changes and, and all that stuff over the last kind of 12 to 18 months ha- has had a massive impact um, and probably more of an impact than we thought it might. It's uh yeah, it's a big, big red flag. No play for me. How about you? Yeah. You couldn't bet in this game with any confidence whatsoever. Although I do 
do lean to the Saints at this stage, especially as as the outsiders, which is which I know they're on the road, but we know how bad that that record is at home for the Cardinals. They've lost eight in a row at home. So it's astonishing in in this kind of day and age of the NFL as well, where home kind of teams you know mean so much for for teams, I should say. And and the Saints they haven't done anything again to you know to wow me. I suppose they've been in games pretty much every week. Uh, they've had a couple of close losses in recent weeks. There's still uncertainty about who will suit up as their starting quarterback this week. Uh, James Winston was a bit of a almost a benched. He was almost benched last week. He was he, he cleared um, practice and was was you know active. Uh, he he kind of sat on the sidelines and watched though. So very interesting. I mean, he was he was on the verge of being benched even before he got injured yeah, as well. Oh, exactly like... right. And and look, they're not getting great result from either quarterback at the moment. They're both. One and two as starters so far this year, but geez, that Cardinals offense I watched pretty closely last week against against the Seahawks of all teams, and they got into the red zone a few times. They did absolutely nothing with it. They they scored a field goal in the opening drive of the game, and and that was pretty much it. They got a, a late touch t- late touchdown thanks to a block punt in the end zone. So there was absolutely no offense generated from Kyler Murray and those receivers, and and of course James Conner was out and is likely to miss again. This one, DeAndre Hopkins is the one to come back. That's that's the big name, of course. But I think maybe books are getting a little bit carried away with D-Hop. He hasn't played mm. for a while. Obviously, the chemistry is not going to be quite as high as it used to be with Kyler Murray. The Saints are going, again, you couldn't trust him at the moment because of the the uncertainty around the quarterback. Chris Alave should be back after missing last week with a concussion. They're still missing veterans, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. And the big one for me is Marshawn Lattimore. They're probably their best mm. defender is is going to be still missing in this one. But again, could not play uh, with any confidence in this one. But I do lean to the Saints. And if that changes for whatever reason in the morning tomorrow, I will tweet out a play. But uh, yeah, so no play as well for me, mate. As we move on to the Monday morning slate, the early games at 4 a.m., we start with the Detroit Lions at the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys going as big favorites in this one when we might see Dak Prescott return. The Cowboys minus seven, mate. Take it away. Oh well, we we touched on it earlier. You know, how big that the Cowboys Eagles game is. You know, the games are every year, and I think the Cowboys will be reeling after that loss last week, especially given how poorly they started that game. Um, they they were able to get back into the game, like like we touched on earlier in, in the second half, to at least be competitive and and you know really put some pressure on the Eagles to to step up defensively. Um, you know, late in the game, they hate losing to the Eagles. And they'll be embarrassed. There's no better way to appease that sad Texas fan base than by beating up on the worst defense in the league. And the Lions really are the worst defense in the league. They, they just don't seem to be getting any better as the season goes on. Uh, on that side of the ball, they're ranked dead last in pass defense, second last in rush defense, DVOA. And this looks like a perfect opportunity for Dak Prescott. If he returns, to return, give that Dallas offense a boost. Does it matter if Dak doesn't quite make it and, and maybe misses one more, comes back, comes back next week? I'm not sure it does in this case. The Cowboys' defense is pretty good, like we've, we've said for a number of weeks, and should be able to handle the Lions' offensive weapons, even if DeAndre Swift does return, which, as we record now on Wednesday night, uh, Thursday night, Australian Eastern time, sorry, still not well. Uh, but we're still not sure about... Uh, DeAndre Swift and whether he'll be back. So while while this game's at seven, a flat seven, I'm I'm taking the Cowboys and um yeah, should be money. Yeah, hard to argue with you, mate. I think uh the Cowboys should be getting it done here and 
and they'll have a big week uh, to bounce back. Dak Prescott, uh, perfect week for him to come back in if he does, throwing against the worst defense in the league, Detroit, uh, who have who need the buy came at the right time for him after two really bad losses. So mm. hope maybe Dan Campbell's got him right and got him back in the right headspace after a promising start to the season, and then they just kind of capitulated the last couple of weeks against Seattle and New England, who certainly aren't world beaters. So. Well, they were able to able to really kind of hone in on on Swift and um, Amon Ra St. Brown and and you know, some of their other offensive weapons, TJ Hawkinson. But since uh, you know, a few of them have been out, Swift and and uh, St. Brown specifically, yeah, you know, they haven't been able to kind of fall back onto that offense to put up points. And we know how bad that defense is. It's just, yeah, it's yeah, they, they need some talent back. That's for sure. Yeah, and and look, they they can certainly put up points, Detroit, but they'll. They'll have their work cut out against uh, one of the best defenses in the league, Dallas, allowing only just over a tick over 16 points per game so far. So, yeah, can easily say see why you'd be taking the points for Dallas. But, yeah, just, just with that, that offense and the uncertainty around Dak and, and Cooper Rush and who starts there might just leave the flat seven for now. So no play for me. Funnily enough, I think every every week I've said that a team is primed for a bounce back or a, or a you know, come back with a big win. After a, a disappointing loss or even a disappointing win, I think that they've lost that week. So anyone who's listening that doesn't trust us at all, it's probably a good week to get on uh, Detroit. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. But uh, yeah, well, they've burnt us a couple of weeks in a row before the bye. So let's let's see what happens there. They might burn us again. Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. This is a very, very interesting game. Uh, it's the Titans that go in as the minus two and a half point favorites in this one. What's going on in the AFC South, man? Like, this is just, I, it's in, I don't know what the word is, but it's a bizarre, it's it's a bizarre division at the moment. And there's no way in hell I'm playing either of these teams. It's a, it's a super important matchup, though. They're, they're really frustrating to watch and to bet. Um, it could be incredibly boring, dour, defensive type matchup, or it could be, you know, just, you know, run heavy and, and a lot of, you know, one yard, two yard touchdown. You know, punch, punch through, punch over the line, type game, and, and you could get a high score. But I, I think it's going to be the first. I'm, I'm going the unders here at forty two and a half. I think it could just be one of those real low kind of, you know, seventeen twenty one type games or, or you know fourteen seventeen type thing, just between these two teams who can't quite seem to work out what their identity is at the moment. Yeah, look, it, it's a it's a stay out for me just because there's there's so much uncertainty around these two teams. And look, we know it's their second meeting already this season. So uh, Indianapolis, sorry, Tennessee got the job done over Indianapolis uh, last time out. But the Colts, they kind of turned a corner maybe last week. Uh, they certainly looked way better on offense. They had a, had a huge game uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars who kind of had to come back from behind as well late in that game. Matt Ryan almost had 400 passing yards, if you can believe that, especially if you're watching the same Matt Ryan against the Broncos the week before. It was quite incredible for him to come out and do that. And three touchdowns. He didn't even have Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines back uh, at his side either. But Deion Jackson, the rookie, looked looked good, and he, he was good in the passing game too. He, he got a huge number mm. of um, yards after the catch. and He had 10 catches, yeah, I think, as well. ridiculous. So he had a huge game, and... Uh, he kind of took on took on JT and Naheem yeah, Hines' role like, together combined. But yeah, he's an exciting rookie, and as is Alex Pierce, who I really like. He looks he looks great. He's got a really nice pair of hands. He's he's been kind of working into to Matt Ryan's um, one of his best receivers. Obviously, Michael Pittman had a huge game 
which was handy for us in, in fantasy last week, who we've both been high on. And, and then the other wide receiver who who's shown a bit of talent is Paris Campbell, and he looked quite good last week as well. Um, and Matt Ryan really likes him too. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. They'll they'll get back some some defensive stars as well with Shaquille Leonard and Quiddy Payne as well for Colts, who um, who really allowed Jacksonville to kind of take over in the run game last week. They allowed over 240 yards. So with Derrick Henry coming to town, or sorry, Derrick playing Derrick Henry this week, it's it's a bit of a concern uh, that Colts, um, that defense against the run. So absolutely no idea where this this game kind of lies, though. It's always a flip of the coin between these two teams, but it's a, it's a, it's a really crucial game. Uh, the Titans, obviously, on the bye last week, they'd won three in a row prior to that. The Colts have, have steadied themselves and got back to, um, I think, two, three, and one or something like that. So they're kind of getting back to 500. And, yeah, it makes for a huge matchup. And as you said, it's hard to know what's going on in the AFC South right now. So uh, it's still anyone's division, and uh, this game will have huge ramifications. Either way it lands, let's move on to the next one. And, we spoke about this a little bit off the top, and this is one I'm really keen on. Here. The New York Giants up against the Jags. The Jacksonville Jaguars at this stage were minus three when I when I put this front sheet together. That line might have come in, but that flat three, that is a huge get on for me. I was actually shocked that the Giants uh, weren't favourites in this one. I know I know their record is probably somewhat inflated, but I don't I don't know how you could trust the Jags uh, at this stage. There's no way they should be favourites in this one for me. The Giants at the money line looked like the better of the week for me, especially after I saw the markets. Uh, I, I would have priced up the Giants as, as probably slight favourites in this one. So as I've touched on off the top, they're just doing the right things. They've just been really consistent, and, and the Jags certainly aren't that consistent kind of team. So it's the best start since 2009, 5-1, uh, and one, the Giants. Everything's going right. The the Jags uh, have lost now three in a row. I kind of a, a bit of a battle in really in this one in, in the run game and who who can kind of t- get the get things going there. But hard to say. But I think they're a better coach team there. And yeah, I just think I can trust Daniel Jones more than Trevor Lawrence right now a little bit. I, I don't know. That's that's a weird thing to say because of all the credentials that Lawrence has had, but he still hasn't kind of shown that consistency in the NFL yet. And as I mentioned, Daniel Jones is just doing enough right now. And the Giants, I'm going to ride them all the way home here. So the Giants plus three, mate. Have you talked me into this? Am I in the Giants? Are the G-men legit? Uh, the answer is no and no. The Jags' offense is better than the Giants' defense, and the Jags' defense is better than the Giants' offense. Outside of Saquon Barkley, uh, I don't know what else we can call a real weapon in, in the Giants' offense. And like, we, like we've touched on, they've been impressive in kind of doing what they have to do, but they're not doing anything special. I think the Jags' defense, um, specifically their run defense, is – uh, you're top 10 in the league. They've got a bunch of really, really talented dudes uh, in, in that defensive front. And, and I think that they'll be able to, you know, more than a lot of teams in the NFL, potentially curb the influence of Saquon Barkley and put some pressure on Daniel Jones. Uh, I think the fairy tale has got to end sometime for New York. I'm the Jags here uh, at the minus three. So a bit of a head-to-head. I've been I've been taking them on all year, and I'm not about to stop now. <laughs> I I was surprised I was surprised because I, I was a bit similar. I I, I was surprised that uh, Jacksonville were favourites 
up to three. I thought, yeah, maybe one, one and a half. You know, close to close to Pickham. Um, if not, if not Giants favourite. But yeah, when I saw that that three, I was like, oh, I think I'm on here. Fair enough, too. It's going to come good for you at some stage, I'm sure. But yeah, I, I just would have priced that up differently. So yeah, have to play the the G man, and that one really stood out for me. Can't wait to watch that one now, especially now that I know we've got a bit of a head-to-head going, mate. Uh, another hugely important matchup in this one, it's the Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens, a battle of the AFC North. The Ravens looking to bounce back from that defeat to the Giants last week. They go into six-and-a-half-point favourites, mate. Like I said at the top, I think Baltimore are a far better team, a far better team, but you couldn't possibly bet them after what they served up last week in New York, could you? No chance. Well, I am. Cleveland's Cleveland's defense ranks second last, and not by much to Detroit, who are you know the worst in the league. As we've already said, they're, they're bottom five in both run and pass defense. Uh, Baltimore's offense ranks top five in both of those metrics. Uh, on the other end, which bodes really well for a matchup against the Browns. You know, really dynamic run game. Uh, Nick Chubb one A and Kareem Hunt C. Uh, the Ravens have just signed Djax, like we touched on. And I don't think that he'll need long. You know, he's he's a real vet in the league. He won't need long to get acclimated into the Ravens' offense. And I wouldn't bet against a 40-plus yard reception for a touchdown on his uh, franchise debut because that's just what he does. Uh, he might not score another touchdown for Baltimore, but, you know, I reckon he does it this week. Um, under a, a touchdown, yeah, under that seven points, I'm on Baltimore here at six and a half. Well, yeah, it's hard to get excited about Cleveland, especially the way they, they lost last week. They've now lost three in a row. Miles Garrett became the all-time leading uh, sack leader in, in, in that franchise, but uh, unfortunately didn't count for much where their team got absolutely blown off the park. And Jacoby Brissett's uh, obviously struggling still uh, under centre. Uh, Nick Chubb had his his worst game in terms of stats last week. 12 carries was a season low. 56 yards was a season low. And they couldn't get that. You know, it's their one wood, and it's pretty much their only club, isn't it, really, that, that run game. If they can't get that going, Cleveland, then they're, they're in kind of dire straits. So, look, if Nick Chubb can, you know, if he's held to somewhere near that again, Baltimore will win and, and win hugely, especially, you know, Baltimore themselves have an unbelievable run game. They've got the best rushing attack in the league, averaging 5.9 yards per carry. Uh, Lamar Jackson obviously will look to use his legs against this Brown pass rush and, and obviously – there's question marks, though, on, on their running backs with J.K. Dobbins under a question mark after leaving the game last week. Kenny Drake came in and did a really good job brushing for over 100 yards, and he will likely get the uh, the start if J.K. Dobbins can't go. Gus Edwards is nearing a return. So they've had all these running backs that have been injured, and, and they just can't get that continuity at the moment. So, And they've still kind of, you know, been really performing well on that front. And, and Rashad Bateman should be able to return after missing the last couple of weeks as well, which gives him another deep threat, as does the man you just spoke of, Deshaun Jackson, and, and Devin Duvernay, of course, as well. So, yeah, too many offensive weapons for Baltimore. They'll be looking to make a statement. I could probably almost follow you in there with a six-and-a-half-point favourite. Certainly wouldn't be taking them over a touchdown, but, yeah, could, could follow you in on that. But uh, no play officially for me, but the Ravens. Should bounce back in and get back on the winner's track, uh, winners, um, back in the winner's circle this week. We move on to another game that is crucial with two, three, and three teams here looking to get above 500 for the first time this year. 
And that's the Atlanta Falcons, who we spoke about, the Dirty Birds, up against the Cincinnati Bengals, <laughs> who go in as favourites at minus six and a half. Uh, can the Bengals keep rolling here and, and kind of work their way into the season? Yeah, I think the Bengals are on their way back. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks, just that they've looked like they're starting to click. And we do see it in the offensive DVOA ratings, where last week Cincinnati were ranked 25th, and this week they've moved up to 21st. Uh, the Falcons, three wins, like we said before, they haven't beaten anyone. They've beaten the Seahawks, they've beaten the Browns, and they've beaten the, the Niners, who were just decimated on on, on defense with, with injury. And I still think the Falcons are garbage. Like I said before, I'm, I'm on the Bengals here. I think that the markets have potentially overrated the Falcons just based on you know their last month of... Yeah, look, I, I kind of tend to agree that the Bengals should get it done here, especially, like you said, while it's under a touchdown. And, and look, I don't quite share that confidence that the books have um, overrated them. Unfortunately, I think they they are a better team than, than we're probably giving them credit for at the moment. But the Bengals, can they kind of get that momentum going, get that season back on track? They've obviously um, started poorly, but Jamar Chase came out last week with over 130 yards, a couple of touchdowns. The Falcons, um, yeah, like I said, like you said, they played against a, a really depleted uh, defensive unit for San Francisco, but actually they lost quite a few of their defensive players um, in that game as well. So um, Casey Hayward, their main one going on IR. So look, that might kind of play into the part here where the Bengals can kind of take advantage of that. But uh, they have won three of the last four, the Falcons, and, and starting to look a bit better than than most predicted as, as we've touched on. But look, for me... It's probably a lean to the Bengals as well, mate. I think you might have talked me into that one. But, uh, yeah, let's let's ride with you, mate. I'll, I'll take you on there. So Cincinnati minus six and a half as well. So let's hope that uh, the Falcons can run into a bit of a brick wall in this one. Uh, this is an interesting game, very interesting game. I, I, I think the Green Bay Packers can bounce back in this one. I know you don't quite share my confidence after being burnt for a couple of weeks in a row. But, yeah, the Green Bay Packers are at the Washington Commanders. Minus five and a half, the Packers. You can't entertain that? I can't. I can't. Uh, ordinarily, absolutely an, an easy bet, even even away from home. But this, at the moment, isn't an ordinary Packers team. They're, they're just terrible. They're woeful at the moment. Two straight losses to the New Yorks uh, and the Washington football commanders is just a nope. It's just a nope. It's a massive no play for me right now, unless you can talk me into it. I probably can't talk you into it. I think it's just my trust in in Green Bay to get it right. And, and Matt LaFleur is his first time as a head coach in this league that he's lost back-to-back regular season games. So I think they'll get it right. Washington, obviously no Carson Wentz, which potentially might not be a bad thing, but Taylor Heineke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I know who I'm betting on every day of the week when those two go up against each other, Taylor Heineke and Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, maybe they took Aaron's advice, the Packers in practice this week and, and have simplified things. And, he was pretty scathing after the game uh, against the Jets. And, and look, I think it just has to click sooner or later. That offensive line's been banged up, and I'm sure they'll get it right. They'll make the tweaks. Uh, the defense hasn't been anywhere near as good as we thought they'd be, and, and certainly in the last couple of weeks against the two New York teams, as you mentioned. But I watched Washington play against Chicago last Thursday night, and there's no way I could get excited about that Washington team. So oh, it's it's got awful. It's pretty ordinary. Uh, I think Green Bay can bounce back, and I know it's on the road, but I think they'll win and, and win by over a touchdown. So that minus five and a half is is a nice bet for me. So we'll play the Packers in this one. 
Now, moving on to another team who's been disgustingly bad uh, and overrated so far this season after a good week one performance, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But thankfully for the Bucs and Tom Brady, their schedule just keeps delivering for them. They've definitely got the lowly <laughs> Carolina Panthers this week, and the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers going as double-digit favorites, minus 10.5. Yeah, I, I don't know how – I mean, I know how it's 10.5, but you, you surely can't. Like, they've let me down two weeks in a row. I just don't think I've got it in me to take them at double digits. I know it's the the Panthers. I know they're one and five. Uh, I know that that one win was against the Saints a month ago. And, and you know, what we've said about the Saints is that, you know, I think that says more about them and their inconsistencies and, and their deficiencies than it does about the Panthers, to be honest. it's This is a, a huge no play for me. Yeah, also a no play for me. No way I could bet the Bucks, especially after last week, but... You know, this was the same line the Rams had against the, the Panthers last week, and we we both think mm. the Bucks are probably a better team than the Rams, and and the Rams covered and covered easily in the end. And that offense for the Panthers is just bad. I mean, they their only touchdown was a pick six, which is you know unsurprisingly after what, the way Matthew Stafford's played this year. But <laughs> um, yeah, just just nothing going right for the for the Panthers, and and C Mac has been doing his thing and been putting up numbers, but uh, all for nothing really in terms of. NFL mm. and, and wins and losses, of course, and and do the do the Panthers? I'll ask you this: Do the Panthers entertain a trade for for Christian McCaffrey this year? I think they have to. I, I think they they've they've got to do their due diligence on it. And you know, at this point, uh, you know, you've just moved on. You've just moved on your head coach. Uh, you've got a you've got a pro bowler. You've got a star running back who's one of the best in the league. Um, but that's about it. I think yeah they've got some pieces on defense uh yeah which are really good you know we've we've spoken about Brian Burns for years and and yeah he he's a really really solid piece and they've got a few more on defense as well but you know whatever's happening right now isn't working and I think that they've just got to they've got to lay the cards on the table and and you know C-Mac is is their big their big trade chip that they can get you know volume picks they can get you know that that could be a massive um, roster build and, and roster boost for them by getting rid of their best player. Well, they they certainly need to entertain a trade for DJ Moore. That's for sure. He he looks he looks lost in that in that Carolina offense. And similar to Allen Robinson in Chicago, he just needs to get out. Not that it's really helped Rob in LA this year, but I think DJ Moore needs to change the scenery as well. But yeah, watch this space and with the trade deadline, Green Bay could use a, a receiver like DJ Moore. That's what I mean. There's a lot of teams out there that, that need a wide receiver. So, yeah, DJ Moore, I know he probably won't end up at the Rams. The Rams have got absolutely no draft capital, <laughs> but the Packers certainly do. So um, that might be a nice fit for DJ and the Packers in that one. But that's the end of the early slate. We move on to the 7 a.m. games, and we kick off with uh, Barnburner, this one, mate, <laughs> Houston Texans at the Las Vegas Raiders. Anything for this I, one? I don't really have anything in this other than a gut feeling. I've got no data, no analysis, really, just that neither defense is very good, and I feel like there's potentially some points here, and I might have a little play at the overs at 45 and yeah, a half. I, I could certainly see a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a shootout in this one. Uh, you know, the Texans run defense is allowing – 164, 165 yards so far this um, this season. Josh Jacobs has had a monster fortnight. He's almost had 300 yards in the last two weeks, and you know, fresh off a bye as well, so he might be raring to go. Well, as as were Houston, who were on the bye last week as well. They have their own emerging stud in the backfield, and that's Damian Pierce, uh, Damian Pierce, the the rookie who 
who ranks in the top 10 for all rushing yards and touchdowns so far this season. So he's been the shining light for the Texans. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they can they can nab back-to-back victories. And uh, the Raiders, who have struggled off the bye, have just seen a little stat there that they've um, lost their last five coming off a bye. So a good chance for the Texans to mm. potentially get one on them. But yeah, if I had to play in this one, I'd, I'd tend to agree with you on the, and lean to the overs, but it's a no play for me. Just not enough, like you said, no data available and didn't really want to analyze that game too much. So we'll move on to one that I am keen on though, and that's the the New York Baby Jets up against the Denver Cooked Broncos. Uh, the Broncos, as I said, slight favorites in this one and minus one and a half. You know, five of the Broncos' six games have gone under this total. As low as it is at 38 and a half, five of the Broncos' six games have gone under 39 points, which is incredible. And I kind of want to do it again, uh, and I think I will, just just because. Unders. Yeah, fuck, why not? I mean, they played in one shootout against the Raiders, and it was the only time that Denver def- uh, offense actually looked any good. And, and coming up against this New York Jets defense that we just touched on at the top of the show with and the swagger they're playing with, I just think they keep it going. And Robert Sala's yeah. got a, a huge, you know, got the team playing with a huge amount of confidence. He... He went into bat for his team early in the season that he was keeping receipts and this, that, and the mm. other thing. And look, he, he's starting to unlock all these defensive players like he did in San Francisco when they went on that um, that Super Bowl run. And, you know, no-name kind of players that are kind of getting their shot and, and kind of starring each week. So, yeah, I think the Jets can ride this momentum. There's no way I could trust Denver despite it being at home. Jets money line as well for me, absolutely. I don't know how, I don't know how Denver are favourite. Yeah, I was shocked by that. This was more surprising to me than than the Giants game. It's bizarre. I think I think only one of the Jets six have gone under this total, but they've had two or three that have landed on thirty nine. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I, I like the unders here. Maybe it's a double at the double. The Jets at the plus Ooh. into the unders there for you listeners for a bit of value. Why not? Because the baby Jets are building something, and the, and like I said, the Broncos. Are not at this stage, but you know, it's still early signs. It's still early signs. We're racing through these match previews, what I like. Uh, let's get through the next one. It's Seattle Seahawks at the LA Chargers, who go in as favorites, minus six and a half point favorites. And I have no idea why or how the Chargers are four and two. They're playing ordinary football and uh, somehow have a share of the AFC West lead. And it's certainly not because of their amazing defense or certainly by their explosive offense because they've been poor on both sides of the ball. But I don't know. It's just they have got enough talent, on, I suppose, on in that team. And, and we touched on it in our season previews, how how loaded they are. But mm. they just haven't got it together yet. And, and you know, it was a friggin' ugly game on Monday Night Football against the Broncos. But, yeah. you know, it took the muff punt for them to win in overtime. Or I, was, I was absolutely certain that game was going to end in a draw. That just looked like <laughs> punt for punt in that uh in that overtime kind of shootout, or oh, not shootout, overtime punt-a-thon, but uh, the Broncos made the mistake. 12, in the, 12 punts in there. Yeah, and I mean, Dustin Hopkins, who was who was kind of hobbled for the whole game, ended up kicking, I think, four field goals in that one to, to lead the Chargers over the line. And like I said, somehow they lead the division with the Chiefs. The Seahawks themselves have a tie of their division lead three and three geno smith as you you know as you've touched on has, has been brilliant this year he's just done what he needs to do do they where do they rank in dvoa for offense now mate are they still the number one oh i'm not sure they're number sorry one to put you on the spot anymore. i know you were talking about it last year well while you look at that i'll just 
kind of keep going. And, and look, how good did Kenneth Walker look again last week uh, leading that backfield? He he got into the end zone. He said kind of he, he owed it to Rashad Penny to do so after he'd you know, been his mentor throughout preseason. But that, that, that running game looks to be his own, and he, he's certainly making a late case for to Offensive Rookie of the Year. I know we're only six weeks through, but um, his price is going to continue to tumble in. And Keenan Allen, the forgotten man in, in LA, might be finally back for, for Justin Herbert, which will be a huge, huge relief uh, for Justin Herbert. Seattle, Seattle down to fourth, down fourth after in that. DVOA yeah, offense, and you can Cardinals, but... you you can probably pick the pick the three teams ahead of them. You want to give it a shot? I'd say it would be KC. That's what that's their number two. Buffalo, number one, and who might be the third? Probably your boys. Oh, nearly they're fifth. Eagles are fifth, just behind Seattle. I can't tell you who's third then. Baltimore, Baltimore, right. the Baltimore Ravens, top five in both pass and rush DVOA. So there you go. Anything on this one, mate? I know it's a it's a pretty pretty tough game. I'd, I'd say almost the Seahawks looks the Seahawks line just because of the the points here looks okay. Yeah, absolutely. If if I was going to play this one, it would be the Seahawks plus line. Uh, but like you said, the thing that scares me is the Chargers, like you said, they're four and two and they're playing terrible football. Uh, they are scraping across the line somehow, um, playing loser football. You know, they're, play, they're, they're being coached terribly. They're terrible on offense. They're terrible on defense. They're terrible on special teams. Uh, and they've got all this talent. And that's what worries me. Is And, and, and that's why we were so high on them preseason is all this talent, if they put it together, they're almost unbeatable. Um, and the fact that they're winning uh, somewhat, playing ugly football, playing bad football is scary for the rest of the league, I would imagine. But they're not, they don't seem scary week to week. And uh, you can't play them for that reason. So if I, if I was going to play this one, it would be a lean to Seattle at the plus. But no, it's a, it's a stay out for me. Completely fair in this one. It's a, it's a pretty ordinary-looking game, but let's hope for our sake and, and for our futures that the Chargers keep on winning, even though they're doing it ugly at the moment. Now, it wouldn't be a bad result if this other team that we're going to talk about now did lose <laughs> in this one, but I don't see it happening here, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs at the San Francisco 49ers. Chiefs, minus three favorites. That uh, seems like it a does, low line. It does seem very low, and I know they lost last week. That was a hell of a game, though, and, and almost anyone else almost anyone else outside of the Bills and, and the Chiefs win that. Oh, 100%. I think the Bills, as good as Philly have been, they're still the best team in the comp, aren't they, and the, the benchmark. And and Kansas City are right behind them in the AFC. So, yeah, it's... it's And especially the way the Niners lost last week and, and the injuries that they still have on both sides of the ball, it's a bloody low line, Kansas City. It really is because if, 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 if you just go from last week, if the Chiefs bring what they brought last week and the Niners bring what they brought last week, then the Chiefs, Kansas City could thump the Niners. The, and just just quickly, I know I know they don't play often, but the last two times these teams have played each other, the Chiefs have won both of them by 11 points. Both of those games were at Arrowhead uh, and obviously not in, San Francisco, not in San Francisco like this one. But I still think that this... Uh, this result could be similar. So, yeah, I'm on the Chiefs here. Well, the last one wasn't at Arrowhead. That was at in the Super Bowl, the last game. That these True. Played. Regular season. Uh, regular season. Yeah, regular season. But uh, And they won that by 11 as well. And look, I 
I can't see the San Francisco 49ers as good as they have been at home. They've got this incredible streak going at home. I can't remember exactly how many games they've won in a row at home, but uh, the Chiefs have just been as dominant against NFC opponents. And the, the only time they've lost to an NFC team in the last 15 times was that Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they've won 14 of their last 15 against NFC opponents. And like you said, I just don't see how they get beaten by the Niners here who are still depleted on that defensive line, mm. uh, especially if Nick Bosa doesn't play again. Uh, Trent Williams is still out for the Niners. We know there's a, a few more missing on the defensive end. Eric Armstead, uh, of course, CJ um, Mosley's out for the year. Uh, it, Ward, it, 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 it's a very depleted defensive unit. Mm. and This is not the uh, offense you want to be facing. No, not at all. And look, I know Jimmy Garoppolo has played well so far and he's that game manager and they've got some good weapons in George Kittle and Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk who's who's balled out, especially last week. But Kansas City are just, got, are just too good, I think, all over the field. And I know their defense um, you know, can be exposed at times, but they, they, they kept Buffalo to only a couple of touchdowns last week and it only took a, a bit of a late drive and some Josh Allen heroics last week to, to get it done. So I think they go into the here and uh, and knock off the Niners and, and mm. win and cover that minus three. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, it was just some of, some of the, the magic in that final, the final drive was just, I mean, only Josh Allen could pull off you know, some of those throws. And, and um, yeah, like I said, anyone else outside of Buffalo and, and Kansas City win that game last week in uh, – I, I can't see them not winning yeah. this well, by unless, touchdown. The only way the Niners win this game is if they come, you know, somehow explode on, on their rushing and the on their ground game, and they can, you know, Jeff Wilson has 150 yards, Debo yeah. Samuel carries as well and has 100 yards. Tevin Coleman comes in and has a big game. Look, that's the only way I can see the Niners winning this one. Yeah, so I mean, if if they put up 400 yards on the ground, then it's going to be pretty hard to do. Yeah, but uh... that's it. But <laughs> yeah, happy to take the points here uh, on the Chiefs. Sunday night football, a couple of stinkers to finish the week, mm. unfortunately, on prime time. Sunday night football is certainly one of them. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh at Miami, minus seven Miami Dolphins. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, we've had some stinkers on Thursday night football. We've had recently some some pretty good games in the uh, the late the late, the late prime time the games have, have been good, year, but, but the the, uh, the Thursday night football ones have, have been terrible, and and uh, we've got the opposite this week. Uh, I mean, sounds like two was back for, for Miami. Um, and I think that that helps, but I mean, just based on, on what they've shown, you know, over the last kind of three to four weeks, uh, you just can't, you just can't take them by a touchdown. Like it's, it's, you know, that, that line should be three or three and a half and then you'd be potentially willing to play Miami here, but nah, not, not at a touchdown, not just yet. Yeah, no way at a touchdown, especially the way the Steelers played last week. They kind of, yeah, showed a lot of grit. Kenny Pickett looks good. He'll potentially be a game-time decision with his concussion. Uh, he left the game against the Bucks in that one, and, and Mitch Drabisky came in and did a good job, but, yeah, that won't happen again against his Dolphins defense, I don't think. And, mm. yeah, like you said, Tua should be back. He's got the two of the best receivers in the league right now. Tyreek Hill streaking ahead. With most receiving yards, he's already up to over 700. His <laughs> season line was 1,000, if you can remember that. And Jalen Waddle sits fifth. And again, the funny thing about the Dolphins is that they've had three different starters across the last three games at quarterback, and none of those game, or none of those quarterbacks have actually finished the game. <laughs> so 
it's just been chaos in, in Miami. So let's hope they get a bit of continuity and Tua can stay healthy after that really sickening concussion a couple of weeks ago. So, look, the Dolphins will win. They should win. Um, but no way you could play him at a touchdown here. But it's yep. pretty gross Sunday night football game. And speaking of gross, this is this oh. is just disgusting. I can't believe this is a Monday night fixture, especially after what we saw last Thursday night. The NFL have served up the Chicago Bears on primetime once again. They go into Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots, who the Pats are looking for three in a row and have won two on the bounce in, in really impressive fashion. They go in as seven-and-a-half-point favorites in this one, mate. Um, let's just finish up <laughs> now, I think. I, I don't want to talk about this game any more than we have to. Sure, surely, you know, when you're getting to, to seven weeks in, surely you know, we know the NFL has the power to flex, flex games yeah. and – you know, change prime time, and like you said, Chicago this is the second or third time they've been in in a big prime time game, and and there's there's no reason why they should be there. New England, like you said, have played some some decent football over the last couple of weeks, but again, are they a prime time team right now against Chicago? Like, it's a no, it's a no from me. It's Justin Fields versus Bailey Zappi on, it all, on Monday it? Night Football yeah. national game. Tune in. Biggest game of the of the of the week, you know, as, as it should be. Um, I, I don't know what if we've got any American listeners, Matt Zemek, please let us know what the feedback is in in the states about these these primetime fixtures because they've just been terrible the last couple of weeks. So, you, but you know what? Again, not much to add. You, you know Chicago, what? Chicago, we're, we're all suckers, so we'll still tune in. We'll still watch it. Yeah. Oh, we're degenerates, so we'll watch and we'll put a stupid same game multi on and we'll lose all our money. And but. The Bears, yeah, I don't know. The, even how that pass game's improved, they still only rank, well, they still rank last by a long way, over 30 yards worse than the next worst, but 122 yards per game mm. passing. It's deplorable. But uh, we'll no doubt we'll see a run fest um, on Monday Night Football. But, yeah, the Patriots should improve to 4-3 and three and get Bill Belichick to outright second for games one as a head coach. Um, but yeah, absolutely no way we could play in this one. But nah. as we as Nick mentioned, we're degenerates and we'll we'll probably do something closer to. So if we like something in a in a multi later in the week, we'll we'll certainly tweet it out. So I say right now there's there's nothing to play here, but there is almost no doubt that you wake up Tuesday morning, Melbourne time and go, hmm, feel like a same game multi here. What, what am I gonna do? <laughs> What am I going to do? What do I, what's going to get me through this Tuesday morning? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. And, and that does re- bring us to the end of the of the uh, games, week seven games, I should say. And we've got to pick a lock of the week, mate. We do. There's, there's a couple. We've got a couple of head-to-heads, but we've got a couple that we both like. I'm um, just having a quick look now that the uh, the episode's over. I can look back at the, the run sheet and see what we've both agreed on. Cincinnati, that six and a half is probably... One, uh, Kansas City at the minus three. Yeah, I think it has to be the Chiefs, mate. Chiefs. I, I certainly am not as confident on the Bengals as I am the Chiefs this I'm week. I'm cool I, with that. I, yep, yep. Let's do it. I'm cool let's with that. Let's ride the Kansas City Chiefs KC as the of the week. Minus, minus three. three. Done and done. That is in the system. So three and three in our locks. Hopefully we get back ahead of 500 with the Chiefs uh, against the Niners. Uh, that should be a Sunday night football game. That should instance. be. Hundred percent. But anyway, we'll digress, mate. Anything else you wanted to add before we wrap it up? A lot quicker episode this week, so hopefully 
you listeners uh, can appreciate that. I know we've been running really long the last few weeks, so um, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, I think the the main thing is really we just want we just want to hear from you guys. We want you you guys to tell us what you want to hear from us. Is it more analysis? Is it too much analysis? Like, what do you want to hear? Uh, what do you want more of? What do you want less of? Um, and, and we'll do our best to to get it to you. So, just let us know on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to, wherever you want to be, wherever you are. Um, just uh, hit us up. Oh, thank you very much for listening, folks. And as Nick said, please drop us a line if you do want to chat NFL throughout the week. Otherwise, we'll catch you again next week. Go Bills. Go Birds. Go Birds.